everyone, and thank you so much for joining the inaugural episode of Pattern Recognition. I am your host, John Hu, current investor at Norwest Venture Partners and former investment banker Goldman Sachs. Now, throughout my career, I've often been frustrated by my lack of experience, specifically in regards to the cumulative wisdom that one builds over decades of trial and error. And oftentimes when I'm evaluating a new investment opportunity, I feel confident in my conviction as I've run the numbers, I've done the analysis, and I've calculated the risks. But there's something to be said of when one of my partners with decades of investing experience mentions, oh, this company X parallels company Y that we looked at five years ago. But (laughs) the reality is I wasn't in the room five years ago and I don't have the benefit of having seen the ups and downs of multiple economic cycles. And that's become a personal pain point of mine as I believe that the ability to draw parallels and recognize patterns across events is the key to good risk-adjusted decision-making. So this podcast, Pattern Recognition, seeks to bridge that experience gap. So every week, we'll be sitting down with world-class investors and operators across well-known investment firms, startups, and Fortune 500s to test whether or not one can string together the experiences of top-performing business leaders in order to better inform our own decision-making. We'll dive into why these experts believe that at some points they succeeded and why at other points they believe that they failed. We'll also dive deeply into their business itself, specifically exploring granular concepts like unit economics and brand differentiation, all in the hopes of providing you with a broader scope and a broader base of knowledge to draw from when making decisions in your own life. So with that context being set, I am very excited to welcome Philip Krim to the podcast today. Philip is the co-founder and CEO of Casper, the leading sleep company. With millions of happy consumers sleeping on a Casper mattress, Casper most recently raised at a $750 million valuation from VCs like New Enterprise Associates and Norwest, along with strategic partners like Target. Having pioneered the direct-to-consumer mattress space, Philip has helped drive Casper's evolution from a direct-to-consumer product into an omni-channel brand. So in this episode, we'll dig into Philip's take on how he thinks about crafting a holistic customer experience alongside a resonant consumer brand, as well as how Omnichannel increases customer conversion and sales uplift. So without further ado, why don't we get started? Hey, Philip, how's it going? Hey, John, good. How are you? Great, great. I've been a happy Casper customer since 2015, so I'm very excited to share the Casper story with a broader audience. Awesome. I'm psyched and thank you for the business. Yeah, of course. Always happy to support a business that provides such a great customer experience. But before we dive all the way in today, we'd love to set some context for anyone in the audience who isn't as familiar with Casper's story. So why don't we kick things off with what is Casper and what was your driving rationale and vision behind starting the business? Sure. So I'm Philip. I'm one of five co-founders for Casper. We got together the summer of 2013 to work on Casper. And we talk about Casper is really having the mission to awaken the potential of a well-rested world. And that's something that the five founders got very excited about at the beginning. We continue to be a very mission-driven company around that idea. And now we talk about how we're going to build most loved and largest sleep company in the world. And we're going to do that by bringing in-class products, services, content, and experiences around how sleep is such an important aspect of your life. And I think it's tapping into kind of a a broader trend going on within the consumer landscape that sleep is really becoming the third pillar of wellness next to exercise, next to quality eating. 
people know that if they prioritize sleep, if they get the best sleep product out there, which Casper's delivering, then it helps improve the rest of their life, whatever's important to them. You're a better athlete, you're more creative, you're happier, smarter, et cetera. And so we think it's a, a great kind of cultural movement. We think it's a great consumer backdrop. And with Casper, we want to be the catalyst to help accelerate that. So we're having a lot of fun four and a half years in, but we feel like we're just getting going. Yeah, and it's been awesome to see that vision play out into reality where Casper's now served millions of happy customers and has really defined sleep as this third pillar of wellness. So I'm very much so a fan of the vision and along for the ride here. I'm curious in the early innings of the business, what were some of the aspects of the legacy mattress industry, specifically some of the pain points that Casper set out to solve? Oh, I think the pain points from a consumer experience are fairly innumerable, but the idea that walking into a commission sales environment where you lay on a mattress that you don't, don't know anything about on purpose, it's a very opaque industry for a reason, and you're laying under these fluorescent lights with a salesman trained to get you to spend as much money as possible on the highest margin item as possible, was just the antithesis of a, a good customer experience. And we, we thought that there were a few principles missing. One, we believed that laying on the mattress for 30 seconds isn't indicative of it being the right mattress for you, which is why we came up with the 100-night trial, which is slowly becoming the paradigm for buying a mattress. But sleep on the products, try them in your home for 100 nights. If you don't love them, we'll come pick them up. We thought that was a very differentiated offering. And we also said that we really could design universally comfortable products. You didn't need 70 different products on a floor to find the one that's comfortable for you. We, we saw at the hotel industry, they designed one universally comfortable mattress. And so that's what we set out to do under my co-founder Jeff's leadership. He's an industrial designer by background. He's our chief product officer. And so we really did start with a blank piece of paper and said, let's just go build the best, most comfortable mattress ever. And let's take it to market in a way that we would want to shop for these products. And so we focused on launching the website, Casper.com, and we focused on best-in-class products at a great value. And that's uh, how we got started. Yeah, and I really want to reemphasize that focus around the customer experience as a Casper customer myself. I remember back in the day shuffling through a number of lower quality mattresses on Amazon trying to figure out which one was best for me. And fortunately, I ended up getting so frustrated with that buying experience that I decided to try Casper, not only because it pioneered the direct-to-consumer mattress space, but then also offered this 100-day guarantee, which at the time was completely unheard of with such a large ticket item. And for me, was also the tipping point in deciding to buy Casper because I said, wow, worst case scenario, I don't enjoy the product and someone picks it up off my hands for free and I get a full refund, which once again at the time was completely unheard of. And fortunately, the product itself was fantastic and I had no need to return it. But it's really a testament to this idea that Casper champions of making sleep cool. And I'm actually curious, what are some specific brand initiatives that you all have implemented in order to drive that vision forward? It really just goes back to kind of the founding DNA where we need to be very customer centric. So we look at, at every touch point in a customer journey and we try to just make it better from Delivery, where in the early days we were delivering mattresses to customers in New York City via bike messenger, to the shopping trial where we've just had fun with the website. We were transparent with our customers. We were direct, but we had fun with the brand and how we talked about our product. It's something where we've always said we take sleep very seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. 
all the way through post-purchase. You know, if you don't love the product, we'll come pick them up. You don't even have to pack them up and really try to delight customers and surprise them at every step of the customer journey. We're now doing that beyond just the web experience. We have a number of stores in several different markets, and that retail experience is something that customers love and are delighted by. When they find our product at partners like Target, that's also been a great way for us to surprise people with innovative packaging. And so we really always just take the customer journey, try to break it down as granularly as possible, and then reinvent every step of the way. Yeah, and I've loved the thoughtful move to Omnichannel, which we'll dive into a little bit later. But I'm curious, as the first mover in the space, I think Casper saw a ton of success and resultantly saw a ton of copycats pop up in the space, whether at a different price point or a different quality point. I'm curious how you think about Casper's differentiation in today's market and how that brand survives and cuts above the noise. Yeah, so we always said there's going to be two important things to build a durable long-term business here. We have to really connect with our customers in a very unique and compelling way, which is the brand. And then the brand has to live up to that, and that has to come through the products. And so we are uniquely investing into products that we take to market. No other company that's followed us in this space has folks that are product engineers, industrial designers, mechanical engineers, et cetera. We have a team of 40 folks based in San Francisco that are our Casper Labs team, And they're constantly looking at tweaking, improving, innovating, researching, developing the latest and greatest when it comes to sleep technology, optimizing your sleep end to end, and thinking about how to improve the the microclimate that influences your sleep across all variables like temperature, humidity, light, sound, et cetera. So we have really incredible world-class products, thanks to world-class product engineers. And we have an amazing brand where people love us. They continue to post about us more so than any other brand out there. We have that real authentic connection with folks. We continue to be the the innovative leaders and that authentic connection is what is a a very durable part of the business and why we do think the brand is, is really unique. We're the most searched for brand in the mattress industry. We believe that the brand is a moat around our business and that our customers will be the biggest reason why we continue to be, I think, the leaders in driving change in this industry. And Philip, in driving that change, what are some KPIs and metrics that you use to gauge the health and growth of the business? So obviously, we track sales and new customers. So that's always important to show that we're growing and you know we're the, one of the fastest growing direct-to-consumer businesses of all time. We also track brand love and customer love. So we, we do that through brand tracking surveys. We also do NPS surveys to make sure that customers really enjoy the experience. And then we use a lot of data throughout the entire organization. So we really are looking at, again, every point in the customer journey and seeing how we can make it better. How do we get ship times even lower, even though we're already kind of best in class when it comes to this industry? How do we get the website performance better just to deliver for a better experience? How do we tweak the product to make them as great as possible? How do we tweak the experience in retail stores? You know, one of the problems we have with retail, which is very unique in the industry, is really a throughput challenge. How do we get hundreds and hundreds of people through our doors on a, a Saturday or Sunday trying the product and making that a great experience? Whereas, you know, a, a traditional master store is lucky if they have a, a couple of people come throughout the day. So these are all great, unique challenges, and, and we really try to tackle them using technology, data, and thinking creatively. Got it. And another KPI that I was actually curious about was repeat purchase rate. 
And I think that's incredibly relevant to a brand that's as resonant with consumers as Casper is, as you think about the leverage that comes with the more or less reoccurring revenue that you can build with an already acquired customer who's had a great first time buying experience, right? In the sense that maybe I loved my first Casper bed and I'm actually moving into a new home. So not only do I need a bed for myself, but maybe I need another bed for my guest room and then another bed for my kids. And maybe I need some Casper pillows and some other Casper accessories. And the beauty of that model is that you've already paid to acquire that customer the first time. So selling them incremental revenue and upselling them into new accessories comes with almost zero marginal cost on your end. So I'm curious, what are some of the levers you've pulled to help drive that repeat purchase rate higher? Yeah, it's definitely becoming a very meaningful part of our business and will become even more so as we go forward and and have more and more customers that have transacted with us and have a great experience. And what we're seeing, especially as we expand our product offerings, that we're able to solve more and more use cases for the home that you're in. And so we're seeing customers now at a very high rate, much higher than we expected, being only four and a half years in, coming back to us to buy for additional rooms in their home or vacation homes, et cetera. And so a large number of our customers are starting to come back and buy additional mattresses. And then, of course, all the other products that we have, like pillows and sheets and mattress protectors, you know, furniture, et cetera. So it's a very great kind of virtuous cycle where the more products we have, the more often customers come back to buy from us. And we think that that's something that we can continue to leverage as we take more and more products to market and expand our customer base. That makes sense. And it's really fun to watch a business figure out its go-to-market and product market fit and slowly over time extend the customer's lifetime value, yet keep that customer acquisition cost fixed. And I think that metric is really telling of how sustainable a brand is. Beyond that, one of the really fascinating trends I've seen in e-commerce lately has been around the rebirth of brick-and-mortar retail. And what I mean by that is when you think about, let's say, an Amazon that originally set out to disrupt the brick-and-mortar bookstore industry and resultantly put companies like Books A Million out of business, you're now seeing Amazon, let's say a year ago, rolling out their own brick-and-mortar bookstore. So it's almost like watching the phoenix rise out of the ashes, where the industry has been disrupted, and now it's being rebirthed as part of a larger and broader omni-channel strategy. So I'm curious for Casper, as Casper's also been rolling out a number of retail locations, what's the driving rationale behind an omni-channel strategy and why create new brick-and-mortar retail stores? For sure. Um, I think it goes back to the theme that we've talked about a couple of times now is customer centricity. So what we always said was, Let's figure out what the customer wants and give it to them. And for a lot of customers, there was not a good option to buy online. And when we were starting, the only way we could circumvent the traditional retail experience was to focus on the online piece. What we quickly learned from our customers that were buying online was that they wanted to try the product. They wanted to talk to customer. Over a third of those customers were calling us and they were asking us, where can we try our products? And so we always knew the offline piece was going to be really important. And so we set out to learn more about that. And we ran a number of experiments. We did pop-ups. We did mobile Natmobiles where we were able to take our product on the road to dozens of cities. And all of those experiments informed our confidence and our go-to-market strategy when it came to building out our own and operated retail stores. So today we have 21 doors across the U.S. and Canada. And we're going to be expanding that to over 200 doors in the next three years. And it's really because we just listen to our customers. And if they want to transact with us in a certain way, if they want delivery of goods in a certain way, if they want to 
communicate with us in a certain way, we're going to make sure they have it. And I think that's the, the challenge and the opportunity of kind of progressive omni-channel companies today is we take all the permutations of what a customer may or may not want to do and we give them those options and we make sure that there's a singular point of view on what the customer experience is, that it's seamless across all channels and mediums of connection. And that's exactly what we set out to do. It's, you know, a big lift for us, but so far we're really delighted at the feedback we've gotten from our customers and we think it's going to be transformational for our business and, and the entire category that we compete in. And have you seen any sort of meaningful lift in customer conversion rates or average order value for customers that have visited or are located near a Casper retail location? Yeah, retail has been amazing on a number of fronts. We've seen it drive incremental awareness in markets where we open retail stores. We see it drive incremental conversion, both obviously in the store, but also online. And then we're also seeing it be a way for us to connect with customers that otherwise we're just dismissing the concept of, you know, buying these products sight unseen. So it's really had a, a multifaceted impact on our business and on the customer journey. Yeah, I can definitely see how being in the store meaningfully lifts conversion rates as not only am I feeling and touching the mattress, but I'm also hearing the story about the Casper brand firsthand. And that actually makes me curious because as I think about a brand that's as customer-centric as Casper is, I'm actually debating whether or not the move into wholesale is the right idea, especially as you think about being an omnichannel brand, because when your SKUs are, say, in Target, you don't have a Casper representative to tell the story to the customer. And I'm curious how you think about outsourcing that sale to a strategic partner. Wholesale actually adds a different set of complexities. And so for us, we knew with our retail partners that the packaging was going to have to tell the product story. And so we spent a lot of time thinking what the right packaging was. How do we be innovative on that side of things as well? And for example, the pillows that we sell at Target are in this cylindrical package and it really, it jumps out at you. And so what our thesis was, and it's proven to be a great partnership is that Target has 30 million Americans going through their door a week. Most of those folks don't know who Casper is, but if we have a great pillow display, if we have some mattresses set up so that they can learn about Casper and the packaging can really do the job of selling the products, they're naturally going to go online to do some research. They're going to see the tens of thousands of reviews about Casper online. They're going to learn more about us, That it's going to have that same impact on retail in that it's going to lift awareness. More people will learn about our brand and products, and it's also going to lift conversion. People love buying at Target. People love buying at North. People love buying at Amazon can get Casper products at all those favorite places, and it just makes life more convenient. So it just goes back to whatever the customer wants, we're going to deliver for them. Yeah, that makes sense. And at this point, your supply chain across all of your different channels is well built out and institutionalized. But I would assume that wasn't always the case, especially in the early stages of the business when you were dealing with such viral demand. I'm curious if you and your team ever made any mistakes that stand out to you in terms of building that initial supply chain or even under forecasting demand. So I would actually say that that was probably the biggest pain point for probably the first 18 months we were in business. We did not have the manufacturing capacity lined up that we needed. We were consistently underestimating and under forecasting the demand for our product. And so we just could not get enough inventory to fulfill the customer's orders that, that were placing with us. And, you know, with some products, it's not super painful. But unfortunately for us, a mattress is often something that our customers need and they, they need to do it within a reasonable amount of time. And so, you know, given that 
when you're a young company, it's all hands on deck for issues or talking to customers, you know, the five founders, everyone at the company, we would spend a lot of our hours every day just talking to customers and, and apologizing and trying to do right by them because uh, we had inventory issues. And so we quickly said that we have to get better. We have to get this behind us. We hired a great SVP of operations who's done this for his whole career. And uh, we invested very heavily into our supply chain and the, the team that oversees that. And so far in the last couple of years, it, it has not been an issue, but it was very painful in the early days. Fortunately, that's a good problem to have. Wouldn't want to be on the flip side with no sales there. Now, as you think about Casper as a leading consumer brand, are there any other CPG brands out there that you look up to or that you respect? I mean, I think there are a lot of great brands that are doing some really interesting things. You know, I continue to admire the early pioneers that were around before Casper, brands like Warby Parker, Harry's, Dollar Shave. You know, lately, Allbirds has certainly done an amazing job in the footwear category. Recently, it seems like there are some healthcare companies that are really shifting that side of the consumer world. Companies like Roman are really bringing products to market in a very innovative way. I think you'll continue to see a number of different consumer verticals be attacked with some really innovative business models and consumer experiences. And what are some recurring themes or patterns that you've recognized across all of these companies? I think, you know, obviously all the companies have to focus on the the consumer experience and, and consumer journey. But I think the backdrop on when the companies that scale the quickest is when they're really solving a consumer pain point. So in the mattress industry, the traditional paradigm, the traditional protocol on how you shop for a mattress was just terrible. So we had to solve it. We had to think about how to get around it, circumvent the players and do it ourselves. You know, with Roman, for example, the doctor visit was not a pleasant way to handle this side of the customer experience. With telemedicine, you're able to circumvent that and, and bring products directly to consumers. You know, things like what PillPack did for that, also similar kind of solving a pain point. You know, with razors, obviously, you, you felt like you were overpaying for a product and it was you know, only available under lock and key from a pharmacy. So it just wasn't a, a good experience. And so I think with all these companies, there's a focus on brand, there's a focus on exceptional products, and they're actually solving a consumer issue in a pretty unique and inventive way. Great. And I've got one final question for you here, Philip, and it's around fundraising. As you've raised from a number of well-respected institutional investors, what are some of the key risks or key pain points that investors dug into across each of these different stages? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, fundraising is different for every company. It's different for every stage of a company. And so Norwest was one of the folks that came into our seed round. With the seed round, it was really just an idea. There were no numbers to vet, no diligence to complete. And so it was just understanding what were the founders passionate about and was it a big vision? Was it something where we really, you know, were the group of, in our case, guys to go after this problem? And, you know, folks like Norwest, folks like Lear Ventures have been with Ben Lear saw our vision and wanted to help us bring it to life. And that was great. You know, as you get to be a, a more mature company, there's obviously a lot of data but I think the important part is to make sure that investors see what you see, understand how you think about the world. And finding folks that are really aligned with that is, is the most important thing, regardless of valuation or anything else. It's, it's folks that are oriented the way you are. You know, we're lucky we have some really long-term big thinkers like Norwest and others. 
And that's how the founders think, where we feel like this is still the early days for our business and our opportunity. We're going to continue to change the consumer world around sleep and helping unlock better sleep and awakening the potential of people globally. And so we think we're just getting going and we have capital partners that are along for the ride and supportive. And we've been very lucky to work with such great partners. And so that's what I hope for other founders out there. I love that mentality. And I look forward to buying more Casper products as you continue to innovate. Awesome. Thank you so much. We appreciate the uh, continued business. Of course. Thanks so much for the time. And we'll speak soon. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Really appreciate it. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Once again, a huge thank you to Felt for joining me today. It was fantastic hearing all about building one of the pioneering direct-to-consumer brands. And as an evangelical fan of Casper myself, I just have to mention that you've spent a third of your life in bed. So you should definitely check out Casper if you haven't yet. In the meantime, would love if you gave me a shout and sent any feedback or recommendations my way, especially in regards to any guests you'd like to see on the show. You can reach me on Twitter at John Heezy, that's J-O-H-N-H-E-E-Z-Y, or on Instagram at John G Who, that's J-O-H-N-G-H-U. So thank you all for tuning in and I'll talk to you next week.